welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. ICU, let's be friends. Welcome to ICU, episode 22, My Worst Enemy. How's it going, everybody? It's cold where I'm at. I am getting ready for spring. In fact, I was at the McDonald's play place with my kids. I think it was yesterday. And I was walking through the McDonald's to go fill up my drink while my kids were playing. And Rascal Flatts' song, Summer Nights, came on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so ready for summer right now. I only have like, what, three months to go or something till it gets warm again. Ugh, I can do it. The subject on the review for this week is just a heart emoji, which is super cute. It's a five-star review from Alexia715. She left this on Tuesday. She said, I listened to Julie's podcast during nap time and it feels just like we're hanging out. I love Julie's style and how completely real she keeps everything. She's the best friend to have around especially when you're going through something rough. And I love that now it's like she's offering her friendship to everyone through her podcast. That is the sweetest review. Holy cow. Thank you, Alexia715. And I'm glad you I'm glad you like my style. That's really good to hear. And do you feel like I'm a good friend to have around? Your friendship means a lot to me that you even just leave a review. Thank you for that. And I do want to be your friend. I want to be everybody's friend, man. It's the best kind of life to live, right? Just quickly a reminder, if you want to support the podcast, we don't have any ads on here, so any support you can give is great. There are three ways you can do it. You can either buy podcast apparel, like the shirt I'm wearing right now. You can buy Mary Kay, which you also get 25% off of. Oh, and you get free shipping on that apparel, by the way. Get 25% off Mary Kay, and I would especially recommend the liquid eyeliner. It's going to change your stinking life. Or you can always donate uh, directly to the podcast and the cost of it of the website. You can do all three of those things at www.icupodcast.com and click support the podcast. And as always, please subscribe and leave a review so I can feature you. So real quick, before we dive into this episode, I want to give you a quick preview for next week's episode. Let's just say that our guest is a little more well-known than me, for sure. (laughs) His name has been in a lot of headlines lately, and he has a really powerful message to share with us, and I feel honored that he is going to share that here on the podcast. And I promise to tell you who it is, but not till the end of the episode. Today, I am interviewing one of the most beautiful souls I know. She has had internal demons that have haunted her for years, but it hasn't been until recently that she has started to open up more about it. We have so much to learn from her today, and I'm so excited to share her with you. Here's Lene Donovan. Okay, we are here with Lene. Hi, Lene. Hi, Julie. (laughs) I'm very happy to have you on the podcast. Lene has been so awesome about the podcast you always text me after my podcast episodes <laughs> and tell me how awesome they are and i'm always so happy because i'm like oh i needed to hear that from someone and i respect your opinion so much because they help me every week <laughs> i'm so glad i'm so glad i love it we live in the same neighborhood and we met i don't know how long ago a year almost a, year, a little over a year a little over a year ago and i first met Lene because we were in a church class together and she made a comment and i feel like i want to whip my head around and be like who is that girl <laughs> She's so wise. Everybody stop talking. Let's just listen to her. She's so wise. And I remember actually afterwards going and grabbing your shoulder or something and being like, I I don't know what I said to you. Probably something weird and creepy. Like, my friend. <laughs> but I just remember us having this moment of, I think that you and I have been no, to some similar places. Mean. Yeah, I think we've been to some similar places maybe in our thought process and journeys. Before we get into the main topic of the podcast, 
Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Okay. So I am born and raised in Utah, and I am a mother and wife. Mm -hmm. I have two kids, a girl and a little boy. One's two, and then the other one is six months. You're really busy. Yes. (laughs) All the time. All the time. You have some pretty cool skills I wish I had. You're schooling. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to school for cosmetology. Which is why your Hopefully hair and your makeup I'll, is always, always adorable. Stitch. We entitled this My Worst Enemy. Tell me who your worst enemy is. My worst enemy is me. You have really important perspective on that because of some conversations we've had. I know you have a lot to share about this. And I appreciate you, first of all, being vulnerable and open to share it because I know it's not a challenge that you're like, oh, yep, I did that forever ago and it's over and it's done and I have it all figured out, right? It's still right. something that you struggle with. It's daily, all the time. Talk to me about when the negative self-talk you have in your head started. Started. Mm -hmm. It really started that I can recognize in middle school. You know, those years are rough as it is. Yeah, they are. But I remember just having a completely different friend group, just being thrown into it, and I just became silent almost. Were your other friends louder? Yeah. And you just kind of followed along? Yep. And that's when you remember the negative self-talk of the study. That's when it became my personality, almost. To not like yourself? Yeah. What kind of thoughts would you have had, do you think, in middle school? Even back then, I was thinking um, that I was worthless. That why should I talk? Because nobody would really care what I had to say. Or it didn't really matter what I had to say. Um, Things like that. And then mistakes or um, bad days, it would get even worse. And I just, yeah, I just, everybody knew me as a shy girl that didn't really involve herself. And that's because of those thoughts that I always had. It's interesting because sometimes we can look at someone that's reserved or shy and even think of them as being stuck up. I know people that have been really shy that have had people judge them that way or said things like that. And it's just so crazy to hear a different perspective of some people are shy because they're dealing with a lot inside. Yeah. Well, I've had people tell that to me that I've intimidated them because they thought I thought I was better when that's not the case at all. Well, and it's interesting because you come across as an incredibly capable person. You're beautiful. You are so incredibly kind to everybody you see. You're obviously full of light. And so... Some, some people that may listen to this and know you, honestly, may be shocked to hear all this. Yeah. But I think that makes it especially powerful to realize that people on the outside that are trying to do their best, that doesn't mean that it's always easy for them on the no. outside. And that's what everybody would always say, like, Lenny, your life's perfect. You have no problems. And it drove me crazy because I would be like, you have no idea what's going on in my head. Yeah, and it just made me feel almost worse because I felt like I was portraying something I'm not, and I didn't want to... You don't want to be fake. Yeah. Do you feel like you were fake? Yes, because I I was believing those things for so long. I wasn't being me. Yeah. The negative self-talk. When did you notice, okay, this is actually becoming a really intense problem that's that's keeping me from kind of functioning normally? Um, When did you really notice it? 
It was like ninth grade, and that's when I really tried to change and take it out of my life. And then I was pretty good for like two years, and then I went on a mission. And when I came back, then it really spiraled down from there. Okay. And what what happened when you say spiraled down? Um, I got back from from serving, and uh, where'd you go on your mission again? Argentina. Okay. And a mission. If you, we've explained this on the podcast before, but if you're not familiar with the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, uh, mission is a two-year service mission where you go and help people and you teach them about Christ and try and give them hope. Yeah, so I came home thinking that life would be great. You know, I get to see my family again. Um, I get to go to school. And it was like one of the darkest times of my life. Why was it so dark? What started happening? I just, I couldn't feel anything. I went from being um, the girl that I knew I was to feeling happy and feeling um, sad when other people were sad, being able to feel good at church and that I'm learning things just to a dullness that I had never known before. No. Yeah. Why do you think that happened after your mission? I feel like, honestly, God gave me strength to make it through that service. And then he was like, okay, now it's time to deal with all of these things that um, I've been holding you up from. Yeah. Kind of stuff that's always been there. Always been there. That hasn't been taken care of. From my childhood. I think on the mission, you're so distracted. You're so busy. I don't, I have not been on a mission, but I have enough family members and my husband has and, and so distracted with serving other people, which is your jam. That's what you love to do. You're so good to, to love Thank other you. people. You're welcome. That I'm sure coming home and having all that negative self-talk even louder because you don't have distractions. Right. Right. And come home from your mission. You have all this negative self-talk. What happened in the next few years? What kind of decisions did you make? How did it affect you? I almost felt like I was starting over. I didn't know anything. My my beliefs were rocked just completely. Um, I didn't even think I was worthy to get married, which has been a goal for mine since I was five. I always dreamed of finding my Prince Charming, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't think I was worthy of anyone. After feeling that way, I'm reunited with one of my best friends I met up at college. His name was Austin, and um, he's honestly been one of the first people in my life to see me in my worst moments and still love me. And we started dating, and we eventually got married. And he's pretty sweet. Yes. He's pretty special. We really like Austin. (laughs) He's so cool. So you got married? Yeah. Yeah. And it was hard. Those first nine months, I got pregnant right away with Lydia and um, was so sick. And that same feeling again, I couldn't feel anything. And just so many feelings of why, why now do I feel this way? And those negative feelings that we talked about, that, that self-hatred just tripled. When you got pregnant? Yep. Did you reach out to Austin about it? What did you do with those feelings? Yes, at first it was hard because he didn't really understand why it was going on and neither did I. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that it was coming from years and years beforehand of the negativity that I thought others thought of me and that I created for myself. Do you feel like there's been a turning point for you? Yeah. When and how and 
what are you doing now to deal with all this? I feel like it was just a couple months ago that it's really, my life has changed. And it's because of Austin's really created those building blocks for me to start to understand what Christ-like love is. You know, I've always believed in Christ and God. That's always came easily to me. But to be able to feel that for myself hasn't. But Austin's taught me how. Even people like you that have come into my life these last couple months just talking me through things. I see things in a completely different way that I didn't even think was possible. Well, and it's interesting because I know that you and I have had conversations before where I do feel like it's almost like a light bulb goes off in your head. And it's crazy because it's things that I forget that I didn't realize before until someone told me it's okay for you to not be perfect. So yeah. even just, it's okay. Having someone say that to you when you're in that mental state is like, am I really allowed to believe that? Are you sure right. that's true? Or is that just, I always felt like people were tricking me because I'm like you and that I've always tried really hard to be kind to other people and to just be super happy and all of that. And, and it's not fake, but sometimes it's easy to cover up with that. And it's a little harder to look inside yourself and show yourself compassion and be like, okay, but am I being kind to myself? Yeah. Do I love myself? Or am I really practicing what I preach for me? Right. I was just going to say along with that, how can I love other people if I can't even love me? How can I say to someone that you're doing an amazing job with your amazing person and really be genuine about it, like completely genuine, if inside myself I could never think that way to me? Well, and I think I talk about that on maybe episode seven of where I talk about um, failing the self-compassion test. There's no way to walk into a dirty house and say, oh, it's fine when they apologize for it. And then if they walk in your house and your house is dirty and you apologize for it, then you don't really think yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I don't like living that way anymore. I just want to be real. I just want to be real. Yeah. It's just so, that's not me anymore. I can't be that me anymore. What was I'm the done. What was the you before like? Just very much like that. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just always apologizing for things. But with other people, I wouldn't care. But why do I need to be like that if I can't do that for someone else? Right. Why do you have to apologize for everything you do? Yeah. And then along with that, taking on everyone else's burden and, and blaming myself for other people's trials and taking that upon me when that's not my responsibility. No. And you really helped me start to see that. That I, I, you gave me permission. Did I? Yeah. I think I did. I think I did. <laughs> did. You have permission <laughs> to not believe that anymore. And that, like, honestly have, has saved me so much stress and anxiety. I can't even tell you. It's almost like a burden was immediately lifted. Just being given permission. Permission to yeah. what? To just be me and know that that's not my responsibility to take upon myself other people's other problems, people's problems. and i i'm so glad i said that to you because i don't know how many times i've had to say that to myself and i think i could hear in you the battles i <laughs> have fought and have gotten a lot better at but they still show up for me actually yeah. one of my very first mantras was their feelings are not my responsibility. Yeah. I had to say that about some people that were close in my life that I had felt responsible for my whole life and felt like it was my uh, responsibility to help them be happy, to fix them. Yeah. And to always be there for their every need. 
absolutely and to be happy for them to be mentally well for them and it wasn't my own children or my husband and so that can become debilitating yeah and so I'm grateful that I said it enough to myself and I had a wise therapist give me that permission I was able then to extend that permission to you well because we're all here to help and to lift and to be there for one another but like you've even mentioned before on the podcast that the only one that can do that is Jesus Christ I believe in him but I've never been able to almost let him do what he was created for yeah because you feel like you have to do it yeah oh I (laughs) I connect with you so well. It's actually so nice to hear people say something out loud that you're like, okay, maybe I'm not as crazy as I thought, you know? <laughs> it's like when my therapist was like, you're not Jesus. You can't do it. Right. You can't hop in the it's hole impossible. with them. It's, Im- it's literally impossible. You are not a God. And I was almost working myself to death. Trying, trying to be that to for other be people. That. And it almost makes it worse because I can't help them in the way that they need when I'm when I'm trying to do that. Right, so you're just going to be disappointed over and yep. over again because you can't control other people. You can't control their emotions. It really does come back to believing Christ, that he really can do what he says he can do. Yep. And that's really hard to give up that control. It is. Especially with personalities like ours where we like to, you know, to get things done, to make people feel good. We're d- determined people. It's pretty hard to give up that control. But like you said, it's a burden lifted to hand that over to someone much more capable. Yeah, and I feel happier and I feel like I'm able to help them in a way that I haven't been able to before. And to help myself to know that I can I can be loved too. And permission to take care yeah. of yourself. And that other people can help me. It's a concept that I've never allowed myself to think. I can do it all by myself, but then I don't like myself. So how does that even make sense? Yeah, I'm fine, but actually I'm not fine in sight, but I think the right <laughs> actually, thing to say I'm right being now is terrible, I'm but... <laughs> yeah, I'm actually doing really bad. Yeah. Were there, has there been anyone else in your life that you feel like has really connected with you or shown you compassion in a way that's kind of helped you start changing the way you talk to yourself in your head? Yes, there's been a couple. In those hard times of middle school, my grandpa was a big one. He he died when I was in eighth grade, but before then, it was almost like every time I was with him, he just made me feel special. And it was like he could see who I couldn't see I was. Then, of course, just my parents at times, different siblings. My best friend growing up, Ashley, she was a big one for me then. And even now, she still contacts me almost every week asking me how I'm doing. And that, Where does she live now? She lives in Denver, Colorado. That's a friend. Yeah. And just through ups and downs where she see me, I haven't contacted her back or texted her back, different things. She'll just always, no matter what. Before Austin, um, there would be random people that I feel like God sent my way yeah. to get me ready for him. But he's honestly the number one person. He just is the most Christ-like loving man that I've met. And I'm so grateful and blessed to have him in my life. Otherwise, I think I would be in a very different place than I am now. Yeah, I think you would too. I think it's pretty amazing that Heavenly Father saw you. I feel like that is like him seeing you and just being like, Austin, Lene, you're adorable (laughs) and you're perfect for each other. You're gonna make beautiful babies, but also you need each other. And he needs you for different reasons, I'm sure. But Austin is perfect for you. Yes. 
and we're we're not perfect by any means in our relationship or anything we we struggle at times but just knowing that we both love each other and can say sorry and that it's okay for so long when i say sorry to someone i still go on with the guilt of thinking that i've hurt them because it was me that did something wrong right with austin i can give it away i can give up that guilt and it's almost because i know that he has love through Christ in the same way that that works with him. That's how I feel like with him, Austin. Right. And his love's not conditional. Yeah. Like your worth, your worth to Austin is on the table when you make mm-hmm. a mistake. I love that idea. Because of all these people who have seen me in moments of my life, I have begun to hope that all those things they've said about me and all the things I believe in God and Jesus Christ and their love for me and for everyone, I feel like it can be true because of those people that have seen that in me. It's like they showed you the way first. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful for, for all those people in my life. The love that they have and that I have for everyone around me can be true for myself. And if that's not true, then not only am I lovable, but so are you. And if that's true, then that's worth living for. How do you feel like your experiences battling your own enemy, yourself in your head, have helped you to have empathy for other people? For the first time in my life, I can say I'm very grateful for my whole journey in life. It was almost like God was allowing me to go through this all for so long to be able to see others in a completely different way. Because I don't want people to feel that pain going through it alone. Because I know that pain is unavoidable and trials are as well. We can't completely eliminate them from our lives. It's a part of life. Just knowing that I can lift a burden even a day or a moment of talking with someone because they can really truly feel that I know how it is to feel that way, then it was worth it. I just listened to a podcast that was talking about doing narrative therapy. And so it was specifically a girl that struggled with an eating disorder. And she wrote a narrative about her life. She separated herself from the eating disorder. And she gave the eating disorder a character. And so in it, she talks about going for like a morning jog. And she talks about this friend. So the eating disorder, but the character she's given, she talks about this friend comes and jogs next to her like it always does when she goes running and and starts feeding her these lies. And, you know, hey, how are you? Tries to be nice at first. And then it turns into like, yeah, if you just run a little harder, you're going to be able to control your life. If you just run a little harder, you're going to be able to control your eating. You're going to be able to feel of worth. You're going to all of these things. And and the eating disorder says, you know, this person, they say things like, I'll always be here for you. You know, no matter what happens, I'll be here for you so that you can, you know, I'll always help you feel in control and I'm the best friend you have and all this. And it's kind of eerie as you're listening to it because you realize that that friend is yourself. Right. And you'd never allow a friend like that in your life ever. No. But a lot of us talk to ourselves in ways that are just horrific. Yeah. And we would be so humiliated if I'd other be people heard. I'd ashamed if anybody really knew thoughts I've had about myself. But what's crazy is you're probably not alone. I know right. you're not alone because I ha- I've had thoughts about myself that I'm like, I would never even want to verbalize that. No. <laughs> but it's okay because our thoughts don't define us, right? No. They're thoughts. 
if there's someone listening who struggles to have self-compassion for themselves that has a pretty negative voice in their head, what advice would you give to them or what message would you share with them now? Um, I would tell them that they're not true. Those negative feelings and negative whatever it, it may come from, it's a lie. Because all of us have worth. All of us have something good about us. No matter what we've done or where we've come from or anything bad that we think we've done, mistakes we've made, we can overcome it and become something great. And once we realize that, there comes a power that can change the people around us as we change ourselves and stop believing them. And I know it's so hard to do. It seems impossible at times. Counterintuitive. Yeah. But to never give up. I think we all know people that we know have demons they're fighting. We know because we can see it in them because we see it in ourselves. And so we can more easily recognize it in other people. What are some ways you think we could see people like that? I feel like just not judging no matter what. Just knowing that the things that I've gone through, I would never want someone to assume something about me. But to take those chances, if you see someone having a bad day or sad at all, just saying something nice. There's there's nothing that's ever going to come bad by trying to do something nice or good. Okay, so I want to go back to your grandpa real quick. You talk about your grandpa just always seeing you for who you truly felt like you were. And that makes me think about the children in our lives or the young adults in our lives, even our own kids. People talk about all the time, how can I see my kids when they're struggling? And it's something that I've had a hard time doing an episode on by myself because I feel like I'm such a young mom and I have so much to learn and I don't have everything figured out. But as you talk about your grandpa, it makes me think about, we both know there are things that do work, that we can say do work. It doesn't mean that we are perfect parents or that we're going to be perfect grandparents or that we have all the experience even to say for sure, this is how you do it. But I feel like there are things that I know that do work and things that didn't work or will work. Because I think all of us are going to come in contact constantly with people and especially young people who their worst enemy is themselves, their worst critic is themselves. And I think that it's more than anything, it's so important to create an atmosphere where they feel safe sharing, where negative emotion is okay. Yeah. I think it's really easy to focus on like, toughen up, be tough. You know, the world's going to be hard on you. I don't don't want to baby you and things. But I think if we do that too much, it's a disservice to our children. I can think of a grandparent that I have that is no longer with me that I still feel close to. And I'm not even exactly sure why. I know some reasons why, but I feel so close to my grandpa. And I think it has a lot to do with the way he treated me when he was alive. And I still feel that even though he was not alive for some of the most difficult things that have happened in my life, I feel his help. Yeah. And I think that's because I feel like he really did see me and saw my family when we were little during really difficult times. And I don't remember having conversations with him where I told him everything in my heart and I told him how I was struggling as a kid or, or how things were hard at home. But I feel like in his actions, he showed me that I was special and that yeah. I was worth it. And he, you know, when things were hard at home, he would take us to do activities to distract us and things. Yeah. That has taught me that for our kids and for young adults around us, 
make sure that you're creating just a comfortable place where they feel loved no matter what, no matter what they could say or what they could do. There's nothing that could change your love for them simply by being you. Oh, I totally agree. Especially, I feel like grandparents can play a big role in, in that they're not, they're not in the daily life and seeing that, seeing all the things going on, but it's almost like they know anyways, even after after they're gone, I've definitely felt that connection too. Um, something else that came to my mind as you were talking, just today something happened to where my daughter was just everywhere, spilling things, making messes, and it just really was stressing me out. And um, there was a moment that I got upset with her. And after just seeing her face being distraught, just being able to take her in my arms and say, I'm sorry, and that it was okay that she messed up. I think that's something that's huge for anyone to know that when they do mess up, when there is something that goes wrong, that it's okay, that they're not bad. And um, that's something huge in my life that I've had to overcome in this last year is that just because we're not perfect doesn't mean that we can always do things in the very right way that people expect and that it's okay. It's okay to mess up and to have those bad days where we're not all put together like we want so badly, especially as women to be. Especially since Austin's come into my life, his parents have helped me see that, that, that it's okay. Just their, their way of how they've raised Austin has helped me to see that it's, it's all right that things will work out eventually. It's just so interesting as we talk about these people in our lives. It's interesting to me um, how emotional I feel just thinking about, I wasn't even thinking about my grandpa when we started recording this. And since we started recording, I keep thinking about him and I keep thinking, and he's not the only person in my life that saw me. As a kid, there were lots of, you know, I had parents who loved me and there were, I had lots of siblings that loved me and things. But there's something special about him, and I think it's because he is an angel in my life. Maybe even more so since his death than he could be during it because he lived across the country. But I think there's something special about adults that can see kids and see kids in their circumstances and see them as important and worth something and not just something to be pushed aside or doesn't matter or things don't affect them because they're young and they don't understand. But and it's just, it's crazy that all this coming to my mind because I wouldn't even, it's not what I would have expected to even come up in my head during this episode and the theme of it. But I just think it's so important that we recognize that first in our own lives, that there are people who love us that are close to us and members of our family. My grandpa, one of his famous phrases that I always remember is he'd say, pull up your bootstraps. Him saying he has never been depressed a day in his life. Not that he didn't have hard days, but he never experienced that clinical, deep, whole depression that we right. talk about. And he knew a lot of people who did, and he had a lot of people he loved who did, but he didn't. And so I think that I kind of always respected him for that. But then it's been interesting in my own experiences. I have struggled with that darkness in my life at times that he is the one um, that has come to my aid. And he is the one that I have felt so strongly his presence close to me and that you would think it would be someone that could completely relate and know exactly what you're going through. But it's interesting to me that that's not who it was that I felt the strongest connection with, mm -hmm. but it was someone that made an effort when he could as a little kid to make yeah. sure that I felt special. He took me to the fixing shop to fix things. He had me help him 
plant his garden. And, and I wow. think those, those feelings made such an impression on me that I'm able to still feel close to him with him gone, maybe even closer than I ever have. Right. Because I feel like somehow that he still has my back and that he just is a witness to me that there is a life after death and that things go beyond this life and also that Jesus Christ is real. And he, like you talked about, like he is a messenger of Jesus Christ's love to me of what's actually real and the effect that someone can have in your life when you don't always feel the nicest thoughts about yourself. Yeah. It's funny you talk about it like that because like I mentioned, I was, I think I was in eighth grade when he passed away, but since then in some of my hardest grueling moments where I'm on the floor crying are times that I know I felt him there and I completely agree that they're really angels watching over us it's a way that Christ gives us to feel his love even through another person as a little girl he would take me on horseback rides and I'd stay there for a week and he'd get treats because he knew I liked them, not for anybody else. At that time, I was just the only one staying there. Sometimes I'd go with my brother. The thing that hit me the most when I was that age, going through all the negativity that I was, he'd always say when I would get there and when I'd leave, you know, Lene, there's something special about you. And just hearing that from him, I don't know why, but it changed me every time. And I knew he was telling the truth. There were some of the first times in my life that I could believe that. And I'm so, I'm so grateful that God sends us those people. Well, maybe that's what you needed to get through a little longer until the next time he could tell you or whatever. Yeah. So even though you didn't believe that all the time, obviously, and it didn't, it didn't make it so that your thoughts completely became positive. But yeah. it's like God gave you what you needed at the time, knowing that you had a journey ahead and that you would come to know how special you really are. Yeah, and it's interesting, like you were saying, that even now, when I do get into those dark times or dark moments, a lot of times that's what comes to my mind. And it hurts sometimes because he is gone, but it's so special even now to know that I can lean on that. Maybe we're gonna have a kid or maybe we're gonna have a teenager, a niece, a nephew, someone around you that is gonna have their worst enemy be them inside themselves. And I think most likely <laughs> a lot of people you know do. But just to know that the fight's not over yeah, and that there are things we can do. And maybe even right now, you're not gonna see the difference it will make in their lives. But I mean, look at us now as adult women and our grandpas have been gone for years and we still they're get, still there. they're still, they're here with us. It feels like they're here with us right now. And like, we still get choked up when we talk about them because the way that they looked at us and the way that yeah. they felt about us um, still lives on. And it's still something I rely on as a grown woman, even though I haven't um, seen him for a very long time. Right. And that's pretty special. What's comforting about it too is thinking about our own kids and family members like you were saying that maybe we can't influence that are struggling, but to know that if something like that or God sends someone to us in those moments, that he's going to do the same for others because he loves them just as much as he loves us. And to know that it's not all on us to be that comforting guide. 
and that the story's not over. I mean, <laughs> there were times in my early 20s when I started struggling. Shoot, there was a time less than two years ago when it felt like my story was over. It just felt like it was over. <laughs> like I'd, I'd made all the impact I could. I had nothing left to give and there was no brightness ahead. But to see that continue and see that the story is not over gives you faith also in other people when you look at other people who have lost hope or who are struggling or don't find worth in themselves just knowing that their story is not over even people that are gone their lives continue and your story is never over it continues on and on and isn't that amazing that we can have hope in that it's so true Lene I guess the last thing I want to ask you is what do you see for your future now as you started challenging your worst enemy Oh my goodness, my life seems so much happier for the future. And that came from our conversation months ago, too. Just knowing that a happy life is possible. That I can love who I am, and that can happen. I just used to never think that that was available for me. A happy life? No, like it doesn't exist. There's right. always negativity. There's always too many trials, too many bad things going on. But as I've changed, started to change my mindset, there's this glimmer of hope that I feel every day now that when I start to get into that mindset, I think, no, that's not right. I start telling myself those things that I would tell somebody else. That's a really powerful tool of self-compassion to talk to yourself how you would talk to a friend. You see the light for a minute and then it's that much stronger and it goes away, but you're that much more likely to be like, wait, maybe my, maybe my negative mean thoughts about myself aren't true because I kind of have this memory of a light and it felt really good for a minute. What if that's true? Yeah. And for me, even, I feel like I've been in a little bit of a funk the last couple weeks, just with some different stressors in my life and I'm okay, but I feel like I'm more okay now than I would have been a year ago because the amount of light in my life is so powerful and the memory of it is so recent and so powerful that I'm a lot more likely to be, whereas before there are things that would have sunk me and I'm a little quicker to challenge. Is this true what I'm thinking about myself? Because I felt really good, yeah. you know, not too long ago. And I was thinking this way and I felt like a lot of love for myself. So maybe, maybe the voice in my head isn't true. And maybe, maybe it's not me. And I feel like when you give yourself permission like that of where I can love myself, it's okay to love who I am no matter what happens. When those bad things do come that come from nowhere, it's almost like you have to take a a step back and you look at yourself and say, well, it's going to work out because... Because you saw you it happen. You feel before. different too. There's been days where I've just had to take a self care day, and that's been it's really hard to do. Because it feels selfish. It feels selfish because we're moms and we think we should be able to do everything all the time and like go on no sleep and just get everything done right. Also, be happy for everybody. What you wish. Yeah. <laughs> right. Work. We have a lot of goals. It's it's been such a challenge to even just take a self care day, which a self care day still looks like taking care of little kids and and reading them books and being with them and making them food, right? Right. But for me, it's it's taking a minute to slow down and try and listen to what God thinks about me instead of just like, no, Julie, do, 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 do. You're worth by what you get done. Yeah, and hearing all those other voices that go on during the day. And and even just listening to vo- the voices of my children, who I feel like are very close to God, when they say things to me like, 
Sam coming up to me and saying, Mom, let's do a puzzle together. Let's be together. Stuff like that. And I'm like, this is truth. This feels like truth. All that crap in my head, that's lies. But this feels true. This feels like light. Well, thank you for being here. Is there anything you wanted to say that you weren't able to yet? No, I just hope that if there is anyone else out there that's struggling through it, that just to keep going and to try to find that love for yourself because it makes life so much better and happier and less heavy. Even though there's still hard stuff that goes on, it's okay. You are a testimony to me that it's possible because I see like a change in you even just since some conversations we had just a couple weeks ago. You seem wider, you. you seem happier. And I would like to think that I can testify from my own experience that you can be in dark depths, awful holes, hell, whatever you want to call it. And you can have a future that is happy and light and vibrant. And I am grateful that I feel like I'm, I'm continuing to progress in that, that future. And you are too. Yes. So good for you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Man, that interview turned into a heart to heart between me and Lene. And I hope you felt like you were involved in it and that you just felt some of the feeling that we had in that room of that just pure hope and joy and love and spirit that we felt as we talked about these super important truths. Ah, Lene, you rock. Next week, promise I'd tell you who it is that's going to be on the podcast. On December 18th, 2018, he wrote an Instagram post that went all over the internet. It began with the simple phrase, here's your fact of the day. I'm gay. He later said in his post, I knew telling the world my 30-year-old secret would open me up to a lot of potential criticism, backlash, and pain. That's right. Studio C and JK Studios' Stacey Harkey will be on the podcast to share his incredible light with us and discuss why he decided to finally come out as gay and what that's like as an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Until next time, my name is Julie Lee, and I see you 